This morning's sermon title, You Deserve a Break, elicited the kind of response that I was hoping for. I got this YouTube video in my text from Connor on Kit Kat videos. I was actually thinking McDonald's when I actually came up with the title. And it's this way that we have perceived ourselves as a society. We get this advertisement that comes at us all the time, and it's this sense of we deserve a break. And I I was listening to a uh, TED Talk, and Arianna Huffington, one of the founders of Huffington Post, was talking about a day that she was at work, and she fell asleep at her desk, and she actually cracked, broke her cheekbone, had several stitches above her eye when her face came in contact with the surface of her desk. And it reminded me, as I was listening to her, of one of the nights, or it was actually evenings, when I was on basic training, and there was a photo snapped of me propped up against my arm, lying in my rack, and I was fast asleep, leaning on my arm, because I was so exhausted. How many of you can relate to that right now? Yeah, lots of hands going up. We talked a few months ago that 2020 was a dumpster fire of a year. 2021 is shaping up to be uh, giving it a run for its money. There's so much anxiety. There's so much uncertainty. There's so many things that have caused anxiety to spike. We're all exhausted, and we need a break. And so this morning, I thought I would take a close look at what it means biblically to deserve a break. I said this morning in my email that it's been a difficult season from the pandemic stress, and many of us are taking a much-deserved and wonderful summer break. And I think that's really, really good. So I want to start off this morning by saying very, very clearly, I affirm the rest that people are taking. I affirm the breaks and going to reconnect with loved ones. I affirm leaving and connecting with the people in your lives. So this is not some veiled attempt to shame you into being away or not being away. Okay, I just want to get that right out of the way. Do not think that's what this is about. I truly think that we are being called to rest But I think what's happening is culture has an idea of what it means to take a break, and God has an idea of what it means to take a break, and those aren't necessarily the same thing. You see, in culture, rest is equated with leisure or with relaxation. There's nothing particularly wrong with that, but it's not actually a biblical model of rest. You see, a biblical model of rest roots itself in the actions of God going right back to the very beginning. It's in the creation story where God actually rested and ceased what he was doing. It's rooted in Jesus who invites us into rest, bringing to himself our inner lives and our stress and our weariness and our burdens are souls that need a break. It's rooted in the Holy Spirit that draws us closer to the Father and to the Son and speaks to the depths of our being and whispers hope in moments where we have none. 
we feel out of sorts and out of place. And into that, God wants to bring us rest. And it looks a little something like this. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. It's rooted in this word of Sabbath, rest. Now, Sabbath means to cease rather than to relax. And so God ceased from his labors and he went and continued work. It's not this complete stop. He didn't say, all right, I'm done, you're on your own, good luck with that. He continued to bless creation, but he ceased from his work and he moved us into a place where we have this rhythm planted right into creation and right in his commandments for us that we are to give ourselves a day of Sabbath rest. Just ask parents how much rest is needed when you don't get a break. The seventh day where God blessed us with the privilege and the responsibility to give him control. You see, what happens when we set aside that day, we're saying we will no longer bow to the tyranny of the urgent. We will no longer say that what's happening through our week has precedent over our lives. And we will say we're going to stop, we're going to acknowledge that God is in control, we're going to lift up our hands, our voices, our lives to him, and we're going to let him be God. And in that, we find our rest. You see, observing Sabbath is our way of acknowledging and recognizing that ultimately it is God who's in control. And it's not a withdrawal from the world, but it's actually our ability to actually engage with the world in the way that God calls us to. So Sabbath in this idea of creation is not connected to relaxation, it's connected to worship. And so the first lesson that I see in Scripture this morning is that we are called to worship, which in itself brings us rest. As we focus on God and let go of all the other things that are going on in our lives. Jesus then takes it further. And he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And what he is doing is he's giving us an invitation to bring everything that's going on inside of us and give it to him. You see, as a society, as a culture, and and dare I say, even as a church, we want to put on masks because we're afraid to let anyone know what's going on inside. And Jesus is saying, bring that to me. The exhausted, the burden, the weighed down, bring it to me, Jesus is saying. 
You see, what God is wanting us to do is not carry these loads on our own. But feel free to stop and say to Jesus Christ, I can't do this anymore. You see, Jesus was speaking into a context. We spoke about this last week. And the Pharisees were pushing people into this oppressive religion that called people to do burdensome things. And he's condemning them for these legalistic traditions. He's condemning them for all these rules. And he's saying, come to me. And first he invites the disciples, find rest And it's not found in this legalistic religion, in all these rules, in all these laws. It's found in me. But Jesus is not releasing us from burdens. He's not saying you're going to escape the troubles of this life. Illnesses, calamity, tragedies, these still happen to us because we live in a fallen world. But Jesus is saying, in spite of all that, there is renewal available to you because I have promised you rest if you take on my yoke. And he extends this rest to all of us. And you don't have to spend very much time as a pastor or a missionary to see again and again and again, so often people cannot see that. For some reason, I think all of us at times keep the yoke of oppression and fail to put on the yoke of Christ. And Jesus is saying, come. Now, I think some of us have experience and expectations that have been failed to be met again and again and again. You don't have to go very far to see stories of someone being let down. You have stories of being let down by someone important to you, by the church, by a pastor, by a loved one, by a partner, a spouse. We are constantly faced with being let down by people, and it causes us to put up our guard. And Jesus is saying, I want to give you a lighter yoke. Some of us have agendas and motives and we come to the table because we want things to be done a certain way and we are so stressed out because it's not happening and we fail to put on that light yoke of Jesus, the discipleship yoke that says it is in your control and we push and we push and we push and the people most guilty of that are often pastors who have a vision for their churches and it isn't happening because no one's cooperating and we stress out about it and and Gwen's looking at me right now with a smile on her face because she keeps talking to me about let it go and I'm saying okay I'll let it go Jesus Gwen it's remarkable how much Gwen looks like Jesus most weeks Some of us come to Jesus with a hardened heart, maybe even a little smug, thinking we've got it all together. We actually don't need his help. And that arrogance keeps us from embracing what Jesus wants for us, that rest that he wants to give us where we are freed from ourselves. Because the world needs us to not be so self-centered and some of us are weary some of us are just so burdened down that the idea of lifting off the yoke that oppresses us and putting the yoke of Jesus on us just sounds exhausting 
And so we stay crushed under the weight of the burden of our life. I think about the man who was carried to Jesus where his friends ripped the roof apart and lowered him in because he so needed to be in front of his Christ, but he couldn't get there on his own. Some of us are so weary and so burdened, we need our family and our friends and our church and our community to rip the roof off and lower us in front of Jesus. Because we need rest. It is so easy to find comfort in other places. Escapist activities that dull the pain of life and masquerade as truth. And so often, that shows up in our life of leisure and relaxation. We're escaping from rather than preparing for. Do you hear that? See, Jesus is saying, come and rest, but he has a purpose for you. When we're so exhausted that we need to go and engage with rest, and we need to relax, we need to have leisure, all of those good things. And I want to reiterate, this is not a veiled attempt to guilt you into that. Go, rest, leisure, camping trips, these are fantastic. Mia looks amazing this morning after having 12 days away, with her dad no less. It is good to relax and engage with family and friends and enjoy God's good gift of creation. But what Jesus is saying, it's not escape from life. Rest is meant to prepare us for what he's called us to do. And that's the biblical model of rest because much of what we do to dull our pain in life does exactly the opposite and ends up bringing us more pain. But Jesus is saying, come to me because I offer you true life. A life that is reformed from the inside out, transforming us into the people God wants us to be. A people who love people so deeply it's almost embarrassing. You see, if we're escaping from the world because we're so exhausted, we could never love people in such a formative and transformative way. Jesus wants us to take on his yoke. I love the way Douglas Webster says it. Who in their right mind would go back to the gods of self, money, lust, and power? Who would return on bended knee to the shrines of pious performance and judgmentalism? Is not love better than hate, purity better than lust, reconciliation better than retaliation? Is not better really easier when measured in character rather than convenience? Rest for the soul rather than selfish pride. Can you, for a moment, just imagine that rest? Maybe you don't have to. Maybe you already experience that. But many of us don't. Many of us are still living in the world where we live between the tension of hope and disappointment. The author of Hebrews says, For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. Joshua was leading the people of Israel through the desert. They were crossing the Jordan River, and they were about to enter the promised rest of the land. 
But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for others, God said, in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. The people of Israel gripped onto this promise, but they had failed to honor God with their lives, and they never truly entered the rest. Hebrews goes on to say, Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them his rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Some of us are still wandering that desert. Some of us have even braced the yoke of Christ, but life still remains hard. And through that cuts the author of Hebrews where he says, this isn't it. You see, I don't know about you, but there are days, weeks, months where I can forget that this isn't it. And I forget that we are here for a purpose. And that purpose goes on into eternity. With Jesus. And when I concentrate on that, when I actually focus on that, when I think to myself, the promised Sabbath rest will be for for forever. It somehow makes things today feel just a little bit easier to handle. Because life isn't easy. So like The Hebrews author is saying about the people of Israel, it's calling us also to not stop short. We're called to obey this rest. We're called to listen to the gospel. We're called to obedience. And in that is where Jesus says, you will find your rest. But it's much more than physical or emotional renewal. This is a land of rest that is a spiritual renewal. It's a state of right relationship and blessing before God. And it has implications for our physical and our emotional well-being. But it is our spiritual condition that leads us ultimately to that place of confident rest in Jesus Christ, knowing that this is forever. So that no matter what comes at us, as hard as it is, We can plant our lives on that foundation of Jesus Christ. See, we need this land of rest. We need to live the story. Our culture today is characterized by this frenetic activity. It's fast-paced, it's problem-prone, and we're project-oriented. We have something always to do. If you were hanging around the church for the last six weeks, every one thing that's struck off the list, two more things end up at the bottom. We are project-driven, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when those projects take root and become everything to us, and we lose sight of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, we get leached. And the more we focus on that and less on Jesus, increasingly our exhaustion takes hold 
It affects us physically. It affects us emotionally. And it absolutely affects us spiritually. And we begin to push away God to the point where we can no longer recognize that still small voice. And so we face the endless to-do lists in all areas of our life. And Jesus is saying, come to me. It can get so bad that not even a good night's sleep makes a difference. Some of you are nodding. You see, regardless of what's going on in our lives, these activities, these frenzied engagements, when we don't stop and say God is in control, when we abandon Sabbath, when we don't bring our burdens to Jesus, when we don't live with a sense of eternity in mind, everything becomes overwhelming. And we continue to strive, and we will seek the promised land in other ways. In those things that we can escape from, as opposed to prepare for. I think this is even worse for the poor, for those who are sick, for those who are out of work, those who experience monotony and boredom and stress. I've sat with people in slum villages, and the look in their eyes is of utter futility. They just, they, everything is unimportant because nothing is ever going to change. Down in their depths, they long for a rest and a life of the meaningless and mundane pursuit of daily survival. Most of us don't experience that. Some of us do especially those of us who have really significant health concerns. But I've also seen in the eyes of these men and women who have embraced Jesus Christ, life begin to emerge from their eyes. And a profound transformation, even though nothing has changed in their personal reality, everything has changed in their spiritual one. I have learned from men and women who are abjectly poor, how amazing Jesus is and how light his yoke actually can be. And so we have a responsibility because this yoke is neither cheap nor convenient. It was meant to give us freedom, but it's meant to give us freedom so that we can reach out to others, not escaping from, but preparing for the work that God has us to do. The demands are great, but the relationship with Jesus is greater. I love how George Guthrie says it, no relation to me. As he looks out on the desert wandering humanity, his solution is to come to me, not come to a set of teachings, although Jesus does call us to do that as well, not come to church, although Jesus does call us to a community of faith, not come to your psychologist, although God can use gifted counselors, not come to a vacation, although an evaluation of our tendencies to be workaholics and reassessment of our life's priorities may be in order. No, rather, he says, come to me. You see, Jesus offers us the ultimate source of true rest. Rest that can only be found in a right relationship with him. It's his rest found by obeying his word, where culture leaves us fragmented, fragile, and fatigued, the 
the Christ of the Bible brings us to this ultimate promised land of spiritual well-being and rest. See, the world needs to hear about this incredible gift because many, many, many have never experienced it. And the world needs to hear of real rest for many have never experienced it. And the world needs to hear that this is found in Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus Christ, a solid foundation is available on which to build our lives. My prayer for us this week, my prayer for us this month, year, life, is that we would find and embrace this rest. Because it's found in the one who freely gives it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there is so much that demands our attention, our time, our energies. There is so much that we give our time and attention and energies to. Lord, I pray that we would be able to stop and listen to your voice. Lord, may we look to you, Father, and recognize this gift of stopping and letting you be God and observing in our lives Sabbath rest. Jesus, I pray that we would lift up to you our most intimate and wearisome burdens, that we would take on your yoke so that we could find rest in you. Lord, I pray, Spirit, that you would help us to hear, that you would draw us closer, that you would instill in our hearts the hope in spite of our reality. Because, Lord, we cannot do it without you. We can't follow the pattern you've given us. We can't lift up our burdens to you. We can't embrace the hope that you offer unless you draw us to yourself. And so, Jesus, this morning, if there are any that are deeply, deeply burdened, I pray that they would lift that burden up to you. Lord, if they need to be carried, I pray we would carry them. Lord, may we be a people of rest. May our leisure, our relaxation be one of great joy. But Lord, would it prepare us for, not help us to escape from? Lord, you are good. I pray that we would embrace you and embrace rest. And that that would transform us from the inside out in a way the world can so clearly see. We ask this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.